if you don't hold to a theology of suffering, that that's a, that's a real thing, and it's, and it's meant to be dealt with and meant to be ministered to and cared for, if you deny the reality of it or, or you put it in a category of, that's Satan, I'm going to rebuke it, right. then you're not going to care for the person because you're going to be right. denying the existence of their suffering. We are back for part two of uh, the second episode we're doing with Dr. Mark Mayfield. It has to do with his new book, but really it's the the heart behind the book, the thing that really helps us grow in Christ, grow in our emotional maturity, grow in our sanctification. And so, Mark, thanks for being back with us yeah, again. thank you. Uh, I really loved the last episode. If you didn't listen to the last episode, you might want to take a moment to go back to that and then uh, come rejoin us here. going to be a big topic today and one that I think is crucial and important uh, uh, you're talking about the study of the nature of God. You're talking about the theology of care, the theology of suffering. Uh, theology of care, probably everybody's uh, light goes off. <laughs> yeah, let me hear that one. Right. Theology of suffering, everybody's like, what? Do we have to talk about that? So that's a that's a big topic. Uh, how do you want to break it down? Do you want to just start well, with uh, uh, talking about yeah. what they are? Uh, yeah, I think maybe start with the – I think we have to understand at least wrestle with the theology of suffering before we can have a theology of care in okay, my opinion. Yeah. Um, and, and we see it. I mean, it's all it's all throughout Scripture, yeah. right? I think that those are the passages we, I, I should say, we I tend to avoid mm. um, because I don't want to deal with or look into the suffering. But one of the passages of Scripture that I really take a look at is this twenty third Psalm. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, I think if you grew up in the church, you could probably re, re, you know uh, repeat that verse, whatever de- you know, yeah. uh, what other uh, translation that you were grew up yeah. in, right? Right, but. You know, I, I, I love the, the, the visual of though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall what? Fear no evil. Fear no evil because yeah. thou art with, with me. me. Yeah. You know, thy, thy rod and thy staff that guide me. You know, and when I pose some questions, again, I, I think uh, I ask questions in that, that, okay, it's not if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's, it's almost uh, a when. Yeah. Right, though I Absolutely. walk. So when yeah. I walk through the valley of the shadow, you know, and so the fear no evil piece, meaning that we've got that shepherd, the shepherd, the rod and the staff. What one was to to guide us, the other one was to beat off, hmm. uh, you know, the, the enemy. Good. Yeah. Um, but think about. So I, I asked the question. You know, it says you know, uh, uh, he will make me lay down in in uh, green pastures and by still waters. And so the question I ask is, is that in the valley of the shadow of death mm. or is that outside the valley of the shadow of death? And so just, yeah. you know, I've done a lot of research to try to figure out, you know, and scholars really don't have an opinion on that as much. Mm. But think about it. If we are walking through the valley of shadow of death and our shepherd chooses to lay us down by green pastures and by still waters, what does that say about how we look at suffering? It's we can find that peace in the midst of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, it, you know, you go through and he's guiding us, rod and staff guiding, but then it gets to a place of having a four, you know, a six course, three course meal in the, in the presence of our enemies. Yeah. Not, hey, let's, let's win this battle and then have a three course meal. <laughs> yeah. hey, let's set it up in the presence of our enemies to show how amazing our God is. Sweet. And, I, and I, the reason I bring that up is that I think a lot of times we look at suffering as something that we need to get over. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. Why don't you, you know, just get over mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, no, that t- t- totally dismisses it. We have to get through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I love the passage of the 23rd Psalm is that it's a, it's a conversation of walking through mm-hmm. the valley of the shadow of death yeah. and what we can learn through that. And so I always ask this question is like, how do we, how have we grown up viewing suffering? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, denominationally, you know, hellfire and mm-hmm. brimstone, it's punishment, you know. 
God's mad at you. And so this is your, 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 uh, uh, form of punishment. It's, is it a part of being human? Is it a consequence of the sin nature? Is it a result of spiritual warfare? Or is it all the above? Yeah. Well, my theology, and I can, you can email me or call me if you disagree <laughs> with me, but my theology is that, that I think it, it's definitely not punishment, but I think it's a result of everything else. It's a result of being human. It's a result of being in a sinful world. It's a result of our choices. It's yeah. a result of spiritual warfare. Um, but I don't believe a loving God is going to um, punish us. Yeah. He's not going yeah. to maybe rescue us yeah. from it, but he'll be with us. That right. visual, thy rod and thy staff that guide me, it's a visual of him being with us. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But but I think, so the question becomes, how, how do we conceptualize uh, this idea of suffering? Because mm-hmm. if it's a form of punishment, then I'm not going to come alongside of you and try to care for you. Yeah. Because like, well, right. You got you got what you deserved. Good yeah. luck, you know. <laughs> yeah. But if I come alongside you and go, wow, you know, it's a big part of just being in this world, and it stinks and it's hard, and yeah. so I'm going to come alongside you with empathy and with care and with yeah. concern, you know. So I ask a lot of questions of, you know, why, what is, what is this, you know? And there's a lot deeper conversations we can have around that. So I don't know what mm-hmm. that, what that sparks yeah. with you. Or, no, it does. It's it's it's. It, um, <laughs> It reminds me of Martin Luther who wrote, you know, we, we live either from a theology of the cross, which would be similar to the theology of suffering or theology of glory. Mm-hmm. Not, and he didn't describe the glory in the, in, in the sense of like the glory of God or a glorious life, but living for our own glory. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you want to, you, you, you know, and I think that, that those two theologies are very prevalent in, the, in, you know, in the Christian families today and Christian churches today that the, the, the theory of, like, you know, am, am I in this for my own glory and it's going to be comfort and it's going to be ease and I, and I, I don't want a cross. I don't right. want any suffering, you know. And so, you know, for I agree 100 percent, you know, Jesus suffered the cross. It wasn't punishment in the sense of he did something wrong, but it was punishment for our sins. He took the punishment. Uh, in a place, yeah. yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, that, I guess I, would, I, I, I think my mind does go towards, you know, like, some forms of you know what you sow you reap in a sense of punishment, mm-hmm. but you know for 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 the follower of Christ, he's you know like the, I, I say it more as discipline the, the, that he loves, but that's that's not necessarily suffering though. Yeah, I think, I think what you sow mm-hmm. is what you reap. Uh, I agree with that, and I wonder if it's just more of the consequence of our choices. Yeah, natural exactly. consequence of yeah. our choices, right? It's not yeah. God raining down. Right, He's just going, okay, free will. Yeah, <laughs> like right. you made that choice, and yeah. this is the natural consequence of yeah. that, and let's wrestle through that. Right. But I think it goes back to: do we wrestle through that? Yeah. Do we sit with that? Do we experience that? Do we make it a discipleship conversation yeah. versus a, you know, mm-hmm. a punitive conversation? Yeah. But that's it's an important topic: the theology of suffering, because it's really, <clears throat> you know, Adam and Eve suffering the expulsion mm-hmm. from the garden. Having their son, one son kill another son, that's suffering. Noah having to suffer under the mm-hmm. the, 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 the sin of the world that he was confronted with. Israelites wandering the desert. You know, yeah, and, it's, and, yeah. It's you just, know. It really is a book of, mm-hmm. okay, you know, life could be, life can deal you some dif- difficult things. How, how are you going to respond? What, what are you going to do with mm-hmm. the Lord in the middle of all that? So. Well, and that's why I love this, the conversation that I turn into is I love the story of Elijah and how God shows up, mm. right? I mean, you think about that from a, a we can we can delineate the suffering and care in this conversation, but you think about First Kings after he was obedient to to the top of of um, 
of the mountain, Mount Carmel, you know, and 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 go facing off against the prophets of Baal, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, where's your God? Who's your, you know, and, and all that that happened, and God showing up in a ball of fire and consuming everything. The yeah. you know, I don't right. think we really understand the the power of that. Yeah. You know, the altar, the rocks, the water, the sacrifice, everything was just consumed yeah. by the fire, and God prevailed. And we we look at that story as a, as a story of, of of success and of God showing up in His might, and then we forget to read on in that passage of hmm. uh, you know not two to three days later Elijah's wanting to die under the broom tree in the middle of the desert because Jezebel's after him and he's like yeah. nobody loves me God where are you you know <laughs> yeah. uh, and and you know God could have shown up going really Elijah like. Mm-hmm. Were you not there a couple days ago when I showed up and showed my power? I'm still that same God. Mm. But I love how God showed up from a th- th- you know, care perspective. You know, the angel of the Lord awoke uh, Elijah and said, hey, eat. Mm-hmm. And there was a cool mm-hmm. water and bread still on hot coals. <laughs> yeah. And then, the, you know, then take a nap. Mm. And then he woke him up again. Hey, eat. Mm. And, and then he gave instruction. Go to Mount Horeb and meet God there. Mm. You know, and... You know, the picture of uh, Elijah going to Mount Horeb and going into the cave and getting ready to meet God. And and then there was, I mean, we all know the story, there was an earthquake and then a fire and then, a, you know, earth shattering winds. Right. And God wasn't in any, any of those, which he could have been, right? Because he just showed up on top of Mount Carmel yeah. in that, that, that display of power. Uh, but when we read into the Hebrew of that passage, and it says that God then shows up, it says in the in the English version, it shows up in a whisper, a still voice. Right. But if you look into the Hebrew, hmm. he actually says that he shows up in the stillness of Elijah's stillness. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's I mean, a very different take on it. Right. Yeah. So he shows up right where he, Elijah needs him. Yeah. And he goes, go, okay. Even though I know, tell me what's going on. Yeah. And I was wondering, why does he, why, even though he knows why Elijah's struggling, why does he care to ask? And I think it's beautiful because he wants to know and hear from Elijah's words in his own mouth why he's struggling. Mm-hmm. And he listens. He yeah. patiently sits there and listens. Wow. The God of yeah. the universe, the God of, you know, the Ark of the Covenant that if you turned around and touched it would have yeah. killed you, was asking Elijah what's going on. Yeah. And he asked him twice. And Elijah mm-hmm. just rails twice. Yeah. And and I love how God responds. He doesn't respond in condemnation. Right. In con, you know, he doesn't he's not condescending, he's not doesn't use tone, he's not angry. Mm-hmm. He's very patient, empathic, and and really doesn't try to argue with Elijah. Yeah. Just listens. And then I love what he does. He goes, "Okay. You've got purpose still. Go to this place. You're going to meet Elisha. There's the remnant of the 7,000 that are waiting. Mm-hmm. And let's let's do this." Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, like that is such a beautiful picture yeah. of what a theology of care mm. looks like. Mm. Uh, yeah. That I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah. why I've not heard a sermon on that no. or why, you know, right. well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'll do a sermon on that. Yes, but, please. You know, yeah. but, but why, why don't we hear about that in the sense of how we handle these things? Yeah. Uh, I think you're absolutely right that we, we don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on in our own thinking is you know the theology of suffering we'd rather just go right to the mm-hmm. to the glory or the care mm-hmm. uh, to being cared for but god he's you know he sits with like you said he sits with elijah in, in his quietness and I like, I like that he asks questions too mm-hmm. you know, that uh, i was reading that in the genesis not too long ago and you know like a, a father whose 
kids have disobeyed, usually walk into a room like, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. You were supposed to clean your room and right. you didn't. Do, you know, but God walks into the garden again and he asks, starts asking questions. I think that's, what, that's what, kind of like what he did with Elijah. He, mm. He's like, and you know, I've heard it say that, you know, like, uh, you know, you've been a, in the counseling your, much of your life and you know the power of a question. You, know, it's, you could tell somebody, here's what you're feeling or here's what you're thinking because mm-hmm. you know it because you, right. you've, 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 you've been, been with enough people to know that's probably where their mind's going. Mm-hmm. You can see it on their face. Mm-hmm. But instead, you're asking them a question when, and then when they say it, you're drawing out into mm-hmm. relationship. You know, you're, you're bringing care. Right. Uh, well, and, and you know why? I don't. <laughs> it's because there's power in story. Mm, yeah. I mean, there's power in story. I get choked yeah. up thinking about that, but yeah. it's wow. it, there's power in in putting words to it. There's power wow. in language, right? I always come yeah. back to the idea of why didn't God? Why did God speak the word the world into being? Yeah. Because there's power in language. There's power in story. Mm-hmm. The omnipotent, almighty, all powerful yeah. God could have yeah. thought the world into being. Yeah. But he didn't. He chose to speak it. Yeah. And I and I, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that in a theology of care, our words, in a theology of suffering, our words matter. Yeah. And drawing out that story. Yeah. I could just tell you, well, Gary, you know, you're this way because of this, this, and this, and this. And, right. and here's the, the tools that you need to fix that versus, yeah. okay, Gary, tell me, tell me, tell me what's going on. Tell me, yeah. wh- tell me, tell me why you're sad right now. Yeah. And giving you to put words to it. I think the narrative, the story piece is some, something we miss out on quite a bit. Yeah. And you know, and you're right when you said about Elijah. You know, this is this is not sort of your neighbor or your pastor. I mean, this is the God of all creation, the God who's spoken the thing. And this yeah. is, and He's caring for Elijah. Or he's caring for Adam and Eve, and He's caring for us. Yeah. You know, that the fact that you know who who it is that's caring for you, I think, holds greater weight. Oh yeah. And in, in um, well, I just take a that, step back, going, guys, like if we, if the God of the universe slowed down enough to just ask Elijah a couple questions and wanted to know the answer yeah. to hear it from his own voice. Yeah. Why are we not replicating this? Right. And I know some of us are, yeah. but from a th- theology standpoint, why aren't we replicating storytelling? Yeah. You know, I mean, think about how things were passed down from generation to generation yeah. before we wrote stuff down. It was yeah. all stories. Well, if, if you don't hold to a theology of suffering, that that's a, that's a real thing, and it's and it's meant to be dealt with and meant mm-hmm. to be ministered to and cared for. If you deny the reality of it, or or you put it in a category of that Satan, I'm going to rebuke it. Right. Then you're not going to care for the person because you're going to be right. denying the existence of their suffering. You're going to you're going to give them advice, yeah. ten step, you know, uh, just just inadequate, you know, Job mm-hmm. friends type of of things. And and but 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 to be able to sit with somebody and ask questions as as God does for us is. Now you're really talking about real care. Well, I, you know, I don't know how much time we have left, but I can I can tell you that when I work with clients uh, that are bottled up, that are struggling, that have trauma, one of my favorite tools is what we call narrative therapy. Hmm. And the way I do narrative therapy is I help them put words to their story. You know, as we mm-hmm. unlock something. Yeah. So from your as early as you can remember till today, just write it out. So something about pen to paper unlocks things in our brain. Yeah. And then I say, come into, so in this set, then we come into session and it might take two to three to 10 sessions, but you're going to read your story out loud mm. to me yeah. as a safe place. Yeah. Right. So now that they've not only written it down, which unlocks it, they've read it out loud and now they hear it in their own voice. Which is hard. Which is hard. It's, it's really hard to, you know, I've done uh-huh. that before. And then. You know, it's hard to write it. Right. 
but but it's I think it's harder to read it somebody in, in the it, presence of somebody else. I can oh read in front gosh. of a mirror fine, right? But You're all own. of a sudden it's like that person is listening to my story, yeah. and I guess there's fear of judgment, there's mm-hmm. fear of rejection, uh, uh, or just shame. Shame, shame. I think plays yeah. in that. This this story was, uh, was which real is why to me. I'm so big on making sure you've got the right people. Okay. Right. Yes. So don't yeah. just do this with somebody, you know, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a big deal. Find yeah. the right safe person. Yeah. And then what I do is I read the story back to them. Mm, wow. In my I've voice. Never heard that before. So now they hear it from a different perspective. Wow. And it it's a beautiful way of creating a theology of care because it yeah. unlocks the power of our story, yeah. puts it into words and language, but it puts it out there. Yeah. Right. The reason God spoke things into being is because he needed it to be out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and I, I think what's so exciting about that is the, so the story of suffering is written and, and spoken and then you hear it back. And in that process, you're asking questions and, mm-hmm. and you're caring. And all of a sudden now that, that story is, is shifting in, in the memory. Yes. <clears throat> it's, it's like, okay, I remember this mm-hmm. as being nothing but suffering and uh, hardship and shame and fear. But now that same story, someone cared for me in the middle of it, and then God came and, and yep. opened up. The, that, so, so the story becomes, you know, somewhat of a, a different story. I, I, I hadn't known that till recently that yeah. you can we can actually change our memories. Yep. Not not like making a a, a truth an untruth or a, a, sure. an untruth a truth, but perspective. To, to, yeah, perspective on it. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah, that you change the perspective of it, and so the. There's healing in that. There's there's, oh there's, there's healing. Yeah. So the healing doesn't healing isn't like making something go away. No, healing is taking that story and redeeming it in a yes. sense. Of, uh, put it putting the the cross and the resurrection in it and seeing like okay, life came up out of that. Yeah. And so in the last five minutes we have, could, uh, could you just speak to some people that are listening today and say like okay, I'm I'm kind of in my story. The narr- the narrative you're talking about. I'm kind of in my suffering story right now. Mm-hmm. Is there any um, thoughts you might have to help me, uh, you know, other than what you just said about writing it out and stuff like that. But but how would I go about? What mm. what do I need to do? Say say I don't have somebody in my life to to write the story. To what is? Can I do it myself a little bit? Or you can no? do it yourself. I think it depends on how I mean, you have to be really wise and depending on how traumatic your story is. Okay. Right? right. So some severe, more severe traumas. I would really encourage you to go find a Christian counselor. Okay. Good. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, but if it's, you know, not severe trauma, but it's been holding you back, shame, yeah. guilt, you know, those right. kinds of things, maybe finding a, a, a good Christian coach um, mm. to walk you through that, a life coach. Yeah. I always, I joke, but I always yeah. say that everybody needs to have a life coach and everybody needs to have a counselor yeah. on speed dial. Now, maybe not yeah. every, you know, meeting with them every week <laughs> or whatever mean, like yeah. that. But, you know, so having that might be a good thing. Yeah. Um, good. But, but I think my biggest my biggest encouragement is this is not a fast process. Yeah. I think a lot good. of us in our microwave culture, yeah, our American culture, we want this to be, okay, give me the five steps. I want to be done tomorrow. Yeah. Like, no, mm-hmm. like this is, you know, this is, you know, going back to uh, the, the epistles, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It means that we are intentional about becoming more and more Christ-like. It means that we are processing these things out. It's not easy. It's going to yeah. take time. Um, but recognize that that difficult and good, tension and good can all be in the same sentence. Yeah. You know, um, and and C.S. Lewis plays this out a lot in his his writings that mm. that the struggle is good, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he talks yeah. about you know that Aslan is is not safe, but he is good, good. Right? right? This whole idea that we can have these two seemingly dichotomous terms and we hold them in the same in yeah. the same. Uh, 
conversation is important. Yeah. So I think the question is, is just persevere, be patient, make sure that you've got good people around you, whether yeah. it's one or two, a good community around you that's yeah. going to help you. But um, I think that's important. You know, I asked you the question about can you do it alone? In a sense, the reality is probably not. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you can do some work alone, I think. Sure. Um, but, you know, you, you, you know that we're, we're meant to... Like, like right from Genesis, it's not good that man be alone. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's good to have that. And uh, you know, the James passage. You know, if anyone's struggling, you, know, you let them call. Right. You know, call on somebody. Call, right. get, get some. Get some help. Elders of your church, pastors. Good. You know, I, I would just add like, you know, mature Christian friends. Somebody mm -hmm. who's a little further along. The, mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be you know, an eighty-year-old uh, <laughs> right. theology professor. It can be yeah. just somebody that's you know known Christ and really. Dug in, uh, you know, and it can be there for you. But to be open about that, and mm -hmm. uh, and yet you're wise to, to to caution people too. Like, who is that person? Right. You know, is it, can they be trusted? And are they not going to you know, share your story yeah. with somebody else? Or? Well, I'll say this: if you got questions for me, please reach out to drmayfield.com, okay. yeah. uh, drmayfield.com, yeah. and, and shoot me an email. Wow, because I think a lot That's of times awesome. there's Thank there's you. questions that yeah. Are unique, yeah. You know, that I don't mind answering. Yes, so. please do that. It's important stuff. Well, mm -hmm. I look forward to seeing your book uh, out out on the market, and I hope a lot of our listeners will grab it real quick. Whether you listen to it uh, through an ebook or right. buy the paperback, hardback copy, whatever it is, uh, grab this book because I think it'll be real important for people to work through this, the, the issues of suffering mm -hmm. and come out. Well, appreciate it. On the other side, thank you, thank you, Mark. Appreciate you. God bless, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ.